I think a materialist approach to things is very, very consistent with uh, my experience in Christian social justice. I feel like the, the deeper I get into anarchist practice, the deeper my faith is getting at the same time. I would hope that you know, securing means of life for all would be something all people of faith would say, oh yes, that's at the basis of what we believe. Those who are most marginalized know the most about the truth, good and the beautiful. To me, it's less that I think building class solidarity is a bad thing, as much as it seems like if you don't attend to things like anti-black racism, um, that's always going to get in the way of building class solidarity, actually. And when you go back, you find that a lot of uh, revolutionary grassroots participatory movements, the, the precursors to what you could call um, the barrio assemblies and these like, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church. What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? Um, you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects. Welcome to the Magnificast, the podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I am Dean Detloff, one of your co-hosts. And I'm your other co-host, Matt Bernico, sent by the deep state to <laughs> track your every move. Oh no, I should have known after following all these blogs, it should have been so clear to me, but surprise it wasn't. Uh, that's right, folks. We're talking about it again. QAnon. We're making it less anon. We're giving some A's to that big Q. Uh, Matt has been hot on the trail of QAnon the last uh, several months, but especially the last few days. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm psyched to learn about it. Just like uh, a few episodes ago, we we were talking about some things that Matt's been educating me on uh, going out in the world. We're going to do it again. Um, and uh, Matt, I'm just uh, grateful for your on the ground uh, reporting this time. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to bring it to you. Um, I want to say up front here, <laughs> I don't really know how to say this. I'm not like one of those people who is following QAnon from some kind of journalistic perspective. <laughs> That's not me. Uh, but I do follow it a lot. I don't know. I follow all those weird journalists on Twitter. I'm like very interested in this weird movement, I think, because of uh, just having like family members who are very <laughs> invested in it. I feel like I kind of stay on top of it. Um, and, uh, I do just have a really weird interest in, I think, conspiracy theories and like the weird movements that sprout out of them. So I, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on all this, that, mm -hmm. that, all that being the case, right? I'm not an expert, I guess what I'm trying to say, but I'm also not, not, not an expert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've, you've taught a class on conspiracies at the university level. So that's true. I did. Uh, I do have a, a real. OK, I'm not a journalist, but I do have an academic interest in conspiracy theory at the sort of <laughs> rhetorical level. And you're going to see a lot of that come through in this episode, maybe. So let's get into it, Dean. Um, first of all, let's just let's do this. Dean, what do you know about QAnon? What is it? And I'll tell you how wrong you are or maybe right, right okay. you are. Who knows? Great. Uh, what do I know about QAnon? So we did do an episode uh, like a year ago, maybe, or at least last year, about QAnon with Hollis Phelps. He wrote a great article for The Bias. So I know what he said about it. <laughs> I know that it is a, a, a collection of conspiracies, a lot of crisscross conspiracies. Um, I know that it uh, has a relationship to the weird corners of the Internet, that there are all kinds of mysteries around uh, Q, a mysterious character releasing information supposedly tied to Donald Trump and so on. Uh, there's kind of a whole worldview 
built around it. But since uh, the uh, election, Q has been, I guess, scrambling to figure out what the new narrative is. The the Q drops that were happening regularly before don't happen anymore. And so now it's metastasized into something else. What am I missing? What am I wrong about here, Matt? No, I think that's a pretty good summation of kind of what's going on there. Um, I've written a little bit something up here that I'll kind of read out in a second that um, sums it up as well. But I think that's pretty good. And and that's the the last bit of what you said is really important, right? That since the election, um, there, there have not been any new Q drops. There haven't been any new Q drops, uh, I think, for more than a year since December last year. Tell me what, real quick, tell me what a Q drop is, actually. Yeah, so Q drops are like uh, sort of secret clandestine messages from somebody within the deep, the deep state, a real patriot within the government who is releasing information to other patriots on a website called 8chan uh, a website uh, <laughs> infamous for child pornography <laughs> and um, also uh, like uh, mass murderers if, if you remember the uh, the Christchurch killing in um, mm-hmm. in New Zealand there was a, a guy that live streamed his sh- like a shoot like you know he he was a, an active shooter he live streamed that on Facebook. He was uh, part of that 8chan community there. So, anyways, that's where all of these these um, this Q information was coming from from for a very long time. But we'll we'll get all that in, in just a minute. the The hard part here, though, is that since all of that's happened, or maybe uh, better to say, since all that stopped happening, you know, Q has not disappeared. It hasn't uh, just miraculously vanished but in fact i think it's kind of bled into the larger conservative movement and actually become probably more popular than it ever was Hmm. um there's a statistic from the new york times that i think is something like one in four republicans believe in q um or they have these like sort of q adjacent beliefs or something which is a very i think difficult thing to map actually but um pretty fascinating just the same all that say that like this is not a problem that's gone away since the like initial conspiracy theory has kind of stopped it's a it's all kind of still in motion there's a whole lot of inertia behind it i think is a good way to think about it Hmm. so all that being said in this episode we're going to do a little bit of a check-in on what's going on with QAnon and its um milieu of related conspiracy theories as they relate to christianity um i i think that's it's a pretty tall order to do that kind of thing because they are um, there's so many of them. There's so many people. There's so many moving parts. There's so many like contending factions within the Q community, and it's hard to really make an account of everything. Um, if this is something that you end up being very fascinated in, you should go listen to the Q Non Anonymous podcast because they do it every single week, and we're just doing it one week. So I don't know. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> go. You should take whatever you learn here and and go bring it to some people who know more about it even. <laughs> Um, But just the same, I think it's actually something really important for Christians to really consider Um, if I mean, if you have family who are conservative Christians, if you um, have friends that are, this is an ideology that they are contending with, they're encountering in their social media circles, um, and uh, that you by (laughs) by virtue of just knowing those people, you know, you also have to kind of contend with it and kind of figure out what to say about it. And it's honestly really tough because it is basically like an alternate reality that people do believe in. Um, so I think, okay, so there's all of that, right? I mean, it's something that Christians have to deal with it because this is part of Christianity right now. There's nothing we can really do. You know, you can't, uh, it would be great to lop it off and uh, maybe we could find a way to do that. That'd be really cool. But as of right now, 
um, if we're thinking about Christianity and uh, and you know right wing movements within it, this is something that you have to you know include in that and really think through what to do about it. Um, also, another maybe reason to care about this sort of thing in particular is that last week you you might remember or maybe you don't. This might be the first time you look I've listened, which is fine. But uh, last week we did we did talk about. Um, uh, you know, the trend of the Christian right trying to rehabilitate itself um, now that sort of we're post-Trump. Um, and that is a, a good thing like to think about because the Christian right is for sure doing that as the, you know, that's what we gave last week. But um, thinking and considering the whole QAnon situation is really important because um, this is what, you know, they're trying to rehabilitate. This is what they're trying to uh, take that sidestep away from and kind of present some other type of, like, more moderate position. Um, yeah, does that sound right, Dean? Am I missing something about why this might be important? No, I think that's good. Maybe uh, one thing to add is QAnon, like you said, it is a thing that whether or not you're invested in it, it is shaping the lives like the the everyday lives and everyday thinking of people that you probably know somewhere in your life. Um, and that is certainly true in my own life. And I think that is just maybe the most significant way to kind of make it relevant, I guess. Like, I hate learning about QAnon just because it, like, drives me up the wall, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but it is genuinely useful to figure it out, especially as people on the left, because you know, um, you can say all day that like it's dumb and, and frustrating and all that kind of stuff. But like it is a, an ideology that is reproducing the worst uh, effects of capitalism <laughs> that you can imagine and lots of other things that go along with it. So uh, just to, I'm just I'm adding some some uh, endorsements, I guess, or affirmations to why I'm grateful for you to teach me about it, Matt. Yeah, good. I appreciate those affirmations. That's what I need. Um, okay. So like I said a minute ago, the big difficulty with talking about Q and its related conspiracy theories is that there's a lot of backstory to wade through because there's just like so much of it. and <laughs> We can't be comprehensive without spending, I think, like hours talking about all of the grifters, like the streamers, the conferences, and so on. Um, the, the telegram channels, all of these things kind of contribute to this larger discourse. And like mapping all that is a it would be a massive project and and not something you can do in a podcast. So I'm not going to try. Um, but in this episode, we are going to try to give some like I don't know, just maybe some good examples or some case studies that characterize like what's going on in this movement and maybe like what it has to do with Christianity. Um, sometimes it's not always a, exactly clear, but it's you know the more you kind of read into it and the more accounts you read from people who are there on the ground at these conferences, but also at these like rallies. It is, I think, um, impossible to separate QAnon from from conservative evangelicalism. I don't think you can really do it. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, um, especially in uh, Hollis Phelps made this clear when we talked to him, you know, a while back that that QAnon is is definitely like a, an outgrowth of evangelicalism. It's not mm -hmm. an aberration within it, which is something we talked about last week too. It's a, it's a whole conversation. We'll kind of get into it. So we'll we'll get to go. Uh, we're going to take a look at um, what happened. Uh, in a uh, last week with a with an actor named Jim Caviezel, who is the guy who played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ, and also with uh, Bishop Strickland, who is a Catholic bishop who is uh, using his specific platform to <laughs> to signal boost Jim Caviezel, which is very bizarre. Um, and then we're also going to talk about something that happened uh, today, which is Tuesday, November the second, uh, in Dallas, Texas, where a bunch of people 
expected to see JFK Jr. reappear in the world. I don't know, man. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about in a way that isn't really funny to me. So we'll get there, though. Um, we'll get to that stuff in a minute. But uh, first, uh, maybe maybe you don't know what Q is, and you're like, damn, what has the first 15 minutes of this podcast been about? Probably should have started a little bit sooner. Um, I'm going to give like an overview of what it is for the uninitiated, and it's going to sound bonkers. It's going to sound like something that is impossible to believe, and it is, but that's what it is. Okay. QAnon is an internet conspiracy theory that has more or less materialized into a very bizarre social movement. There's a lot going on with QAnon, and it's hard to say it all discreetly in just a few sentences, but basically... Someone that goes by the name of Q made around 5,000 posts on a message board called 8chan, which is the one that I said a minute ago was infamous for child pornography. Um, this person had supposed insider information about the drama of the deep state, um, you know, like the the big government, not just the president, but like, you know, the inter the interworkings, the, the real people who run the show back there. Um, the last Q post was back in December of 2020, and there hasn't been any since. But like I said, again, beginning, there's a lot of inertia, a lot of things to carry people through. Um, but that's that's like maybe the groundwork. The gist of this whole thing is that there is actually a battle raging on in the government and between quote unquote patriots like Donald Trump and his followers and uh, this like this uh, this cabal of sort of deep state actors who who they insist are quote unquote, satanic. So there's a lot of religious imagery bound up in this. Um, lots of different metaphor. Uh, but all of those, like um, all of the big Christian metaphors, you know, it's like the light against the dark. It's the good against evil, all this kind of stuff. Um, it all kind of comes out in um, in these Q drops. But the uh, the big thing is that they think that uh, the, the, the cabal, the people who are actually running um, the government, the deep state, they are in fact satanic. They like are are actual sort of agents of the devil. Um, maybe all of them wouldn't express it exactly like that, but like I don't know, man. That's what they all say. So what else can I tell you on this <laughs> podcast? Um, so, um, like I said, there haven't been any new Q posts since December of 2020. Nothing's happened since then, and you would think. Um, you, listener, a person that has a brain, you would think that like okay, after this stuff hasn't happened. Um, after, um, after Donald Trump, uh, lost the election in November 3rd and Joe Biden's the president, you think everything would have calmed down. People would have like dispossessed themselves of these very weird beliefs. Uh, you would think that cause that's what I thought too, but it's not what's happening at all. Not even a little bit. So everything was supposed to have come to a head with a uh, a series of mass arrests and sometimes even um, posed more violently as sort of like mass executions of these like satanic actors in an event called The Storm. Uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, it didn't happen at all. If you want to know who the satanic actors are, I mean, just like look at any Democrat in the entire country. Like that's who they are. It's It's Joe Biden, but it's like the Clintons. It's uh, AOC. It's all these people, right? These are all sort of like the uh, the bad guys that were supposed to be sort of swept away in a in a mass arrest, um, but it didn't happen. Okay, <laughs> maybe you didn't know that last part, but it didn't. The worst part is uh, if you were at the top of the U.S. state, you probably are an agent of the devil, but like not for the same reasons. Yeah, in a real different way. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> uh, because you impose sanctions on countries that don't deserve them, not because you. Uh, drink the blood of babies or something. Um, okay. So since the end of the Q drops, Q as a thing has become more diffuse, 
and has morphed considerably into different factions and different movements. Um, you know, it used to be the case. I, I don't want to say that like Q was ever something that was like unified as a type of movement or a type of political belief, because I don't think that was probably ever true. There have always been sort of different commentators and different sort of Internet personalities who would, you know, be reading and interpreting um, Q drops. Uh, there is a very specific sort of community that was built up around these drops where people would be, um, you know, kind of trying to suss out exactly what they were referring to because they're all kind of cryptic sort of um, information. Um, anyways, I, I don't want to get into it too much because it's, I mean, a lot to, it's a lot. There's a lot of mechanics there and it's really frustrating to actually consider. Um, there's an interesting documentary on HBO called Q Into the Storm. It's like a several part sort of documentary series and it definitely has ups and downs. There are some things I think are complicated about it but if you want to know like kind of some of the main bits about like the actual q drops and maybe who's behind it and like how those things work that's a great place to start considering it but like i said there haven't been any drops lately um the people who are kind of behind that and are doing doing the drops have kind of moved on to legitimize themselves in different ways which is a whole another story like i said there's a lot of moving parts here it doesn't matter <laughs> but one thing to consider for sure Anyways, um, Q has become far more diffuse. Its ideologies and weird conspiratorial ideas have kind of bled out and morphed and metastasized. And like, you know, it, it's kind of become a mainstay within the larger culture of conspiracy within the United States. Um, and not the fun ones, you know, like Bigfoot is real <laughs> and he's my friend. That's a cool conspiracy theory. I love that one. Bigfoot is real and he is my friend and I do love him. But then there's, you know, um, more insidious things like the Illuminati and like there's like reptilian people or whatever. But then Q is kind of grafted into this larger framework or fabric of conspiracy theory that none of these conspiracy theories really mesh together. And I think in any kind of coherent way, but I don't think that really matters for most people, you know, but they kind of mm -hmm. they've they've ascended, you know, they've ascended up the ladder of conspiracy theory to become sort of a mainstay um, that there's this sort of cabal of elites uh, who um are doing all kinds of bad things. Um, lots of claims about uh, sex trafficking amongst children. There's this whole sort of like part of the conspiracy theory where the the elites are are stealing away kids and um, and, and harvesting this uh, this bodily chemical from them called adrenochrome. Um, they, <laughs> it's man, it's wild. Just... Adrenochrome is the coolest part of the X Men universe. <laughs> That's right. Um... <laughs> Man, Dean, you got to be careful what you're saying here, man. Someone's going to really get you. Um, <laughs> they can have my adrenochrome for free. Yeah. <laughs> Take my adrenochrome. I don't want it. Um, anyways, <laughs> there, there's all this kind of like stuff going on. And I, I wish I could just like sit and kind of go through it all. But it's so it's so much. It's overwhelming just for me to talk about. But hopefully just from this brief explanation you can kind of see some broad contours of like what's happening with q or what what's happened with q and and now what we're seeing is more like morphing these these ideas are becoming far more diffuse some of them are kind of getting getting taken up by people in like sort of like new agey kind of communities you know mm -hmm. like people who believe in like crystals or whatever or like you know um all kinds of other things some of them are being taken up in ufo uh, conspiracy groups in these different ways. All I, I guess the the point that I'm trying to say here is that uh, Q is an idea. Like these ideas are here to stay for sure, but also the ideas I think are becoming disentangled from the title Q. 
Q or QAnon, and they're kind of becoming, um, you know, meshed or, or sewn into the fabric of the larger conspiracy movements within the United States. Um, there's a lot of sociological stuff happening that I think is really fascinating. Um, it's a great time to be a sociologist for sure, <laughs> if you're interested in this kind of thing. Um, so anyways, we'll inevitably end up talking about more of this as, as the episode kind of progresses, because it's kind of hard not to. Um, but re- what remains constant in this movement and why I think it's important for our podcast to talk about specifically is its religiosity. Uh, through and through, QAnon is a Christian movement. And that is, I think, a, a big thing to claim, but I think it's true. Um, its reliance on evangelical theology, on evangelical patterns of thought, on its uh, political networks, and and so on, just make it impossible, I think, to separate this sort of conspiracy movement from Christianity. And I think mm-hmm. that is really fascinating. You know, like we said last week, um, you know, uh, cons- like evangelical, conservative evangelicals, they will see a, they'll see this as an aberration as something they just need to kind of rectify by being more um you know reliant on Jesus or putting Jesus in the center but i think that people that are within these like these larger conspiracy networks of q and it's kind of like they're related um sub networks i don't know what to even say about them i mean they're people who think that they're doing just that that they really are putting Jesus kind of at the center and they they are uh, interpreting you know um really big eschatological events as um as as you know they're attending to that christ-centric sort of worldview um okay so dean how about this um you remember when we talked to hollis phelps you were there for it i was (laughs) um there's a really great quote that we pulled out from his uh his article in the bias would you mind reading that we can kind of talk through some of that yeah this is a good moment to maybe uh break down some of the christianity part some more So Hollis, uh, like we said, wrote this great article in the bias that you should check out. And in it, he says QAnon is not a foreign intruder to evangelicalism, as some apologetically suggest. It's not a wolf in wolf's clothing. Evangelicalism, especially in the last 50 years or so, has always had a soft spot for the apocalypse, for coded messages. It has, in its more fundamentalist forms, long harbored suspicions of designated evil actors and one world governments. QAnon is just the latest twist in this well-established tradition. QAnon is not the alternative religion that's coming to your church because it is already there and always has been, albeit in slightly different forms. Um, I feel like the way that Hollis puts it is actually a a good way of putting it, not just because it's like, oh, like you were just saying, Matt, you know, it's not an, an aberration or whatever, but to kind of say it is the latest twist is also really useful, right? Because it's like, so it belongs to evangelicalism, but it, it is a, uh, I don't know, a turning point or it, it's taking on different kinds of forms. This sort of obsession with, you know, like the the left behind secret messages in the rebel in the book of Revelation or, um, you know, looking at the U.N. or trying to figure out what's going on in Israel and how that relates to, you know, whether or not we're ready in the United States for the for the rapture and so on. Right. Like uh, QAnon is a, a twist on that, which is to say it's both an extension of that impulse and it's also uh, taking on some new forms and it's important to figure out what those forms look like and kind of how to uh, keep tracking them, I guess, as they develop. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I would go as far to say even that there's, there's a genealogical connection between yeah. what you see today as Q and, and the, um, the wild sort of end times rapture conspiracy of the, uh, the, 
late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, even before 90s. I mean, you know, even into the 70s or whatever, you're seeing all kinds yeah. of stuff like this uh, from evangelicalism. Um, yeah, so I, I guess all, all, I'm, all, all I'm saying is it's all there. It's morphing. It's changing. The characters um, are sliding in and out of place. There are new spokespeople. There are new terms and new metaphor. But, like, at, at the level of, like, what is evangelical Christianity doing and, like, how are its patterns of thought acting, I think it's pretty hard to say this is something different or something outside. This is, again, I, I think, like, um, I don't know. This is evangelicalism kind of coming to terms with its own conspiratorial thinking. I don't know. I mean, you know, you can't even – I think that even just, like, looking at the Bible, it's hard to say that there isn't a type of conspiracy, a conspiratorial thinking there, too, right? I mean – this guy dies, he rises from the dead. There's, it's a conspiracy, right? It's all there. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the problem is precisely what you do with it and how you interpret these things, especially when it comes to politics. So uh, you're seeing all these things kind of mesh and, I don't know, mesh together and, and just create <laughs> problem upon problem. Yeah. It's it's a lot to consider. I mean, it's good to sort of figure out exactly how Christianity ends up in that conspiratorial thinking too. I think you're right. You know, there's something kind of baked into the biblical text that maybe points in that direction. Right. Uh, And especially like Christianity is a messianic religion, right? Like Jesus fulfills all the secret uh, (laughs) truths of um, that, that messianic hope or whatever. And I mean, if you read uh, even the, there are a lot of passages in the New Testament where they're like trying to establish Jesus as the Messiah. And like, it's pretty, <laughs> it's not an airtight case. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a kind of conspiratorial logic for sure within it. But I think especially in evangelicalism, um, even beyond kind of looking for the big patterns or the constellation of, you know, chess pieces and so on, there's this kind of like way that your personal devotion to Christ or your relationship with Jesus it sort of it, it intentionally alienates you from the world, right? That's kind of the whole point that yeah. it, it's pulling you out of the world. It makes you suspicious of the world and so on. And then it kind of, it, it turns you into uh, like, it automatically confirms whatever bizarre thing you want to believe that makes you look like a weirdo, right? <laughs> that's, that's kind of the idea. Um, it's, it's this strange, uh, I don't know, like mechanism within Christianity and in other forms too. I mean, we can talk about it with Catholicism later. It shows up there in a different way, but in evangelicalism, especially, I think there's this kind of license that is given to people to, uh, really, um, lean into those things that, that make them feel out of place or out of step with the rest of the world. And uh, because it's the assumption is the weirder you feel, the more connected you (laughs) must be to God. Right. There's that kind of weird feedback loop that always like ratchets up the intensity and like the the hyper commitment to that weirdness. And I think that is a major piece of QAnon, too. Right. It's the the assumption that you have the secret knowledge. And by virtue of that secret knowledge, of course, you're going to be smarter than all the uh the sheeple around you who are just voting in a regular election, right? It's like <laughs> there's something uh, that at least echoes there between how evangelicals see their relationship with Christ and how QAnon people see their relationship to even Q or the kind of uh, special knowledge that they've been given. I think that's really good. You know, and, and if we want to drill down on that a little bit further, I think there's something to say about, I mean, that particular arrangement within Christianity that recognizes Christians as a peculiar people set apart, you know, re- real resident aliens vibes. Um, yeah. 
you know, uh, it's not only conservatives that believe that too, right? Like it is conservatives for sure that um, there are people set apart and whatever. You have to live by these peculiar rules. Uh, I mean, I guess. But uh, I mean, liberal Christians do it too, um, especially, you know, like Stanley Hauerwas types or whatever. You know, the whole point is to be sort of set apart and to be different and to follow God's laws and not the laws of politics or whatever. And, and you know, I think there is m- maybe something redeeming in some of that too that lends uh, a certain prophetic voice to Christianity. But also you can see this w- this way where it's spun out in a different direction and you got to you gotta think these are all kind of part of the same, the same tree of ideas. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, that yeah. tree's not looking great right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you know, there's a left-wing way of saying all this stuff to you, right? That makes yeah. more sense, where it's like, yes, uh, the world as it stands is bad, right? <laughs> the world as it stands is capitalist and racist and misogynist and homophobic and all these things, and I don't want to be part of that, right? I want my my Christianity to alienate me from that world insofar as I can do that through <laughs> through my faith. Um, and there's an apocalyptic tradition on the left, and, you know, you, you do get these kind of um i don't know fanatical is always a bad word but i'll use it anyway like mm-hmm. fanatical types like thomas munzer or john brown right these or, or nat turner these people who like have this they feel this kind of connection to god right god is speaking to them directly to go start the revolution and so on and like so th- there's a way that this happens um in the left-wing tradition that is different but uh yeah, uh, I guess the the point is when that kind of logic, that kind of logic can either spur on, you know, the liberation of the peasant class in Germany or <laughs> it can spur on people like wanting even more brutal repression in the United States. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, it, it's complicated for sure, but I do think it's really worth considering the ways that that particular belief um, pushes and pulls us, right? I mean, in, in one in one orientation, that whole idea about being set apart and like knowing some kind of secret thing or, or whatever, being God's chosen people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, when you pair it with something that's like all, all of that is true, plus only white people are good, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You right. end up having these, these awful sort of fascist structures um, right. that, that breed even, I think, weirder fascist desire. But, um, you know, if you orient them in other directions – uh, they don't. <laughs> you do get the yeah. uh, the peasant revolt in Germany, or like, uh, you know, the the war against slaveholders or something. I, I, that's super fascinating, um, and something to be, I think, maybe interested in, but also extremely afraid of. Yeah, totally. And I mean, there are other ways that it manifests on the left too. Like, I don't know. You all you have to do is like open up your Twitter and scroll through left wing Twitter for Twitter for a minute to like find somebody who feels that they have the ultimate secret interpretation of like capitalism or the ultimate secret interpretation of the Soviet Union. And like, that's why Stalin is actually the greatest hero of history. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't do this. Don't do this. You guys, (laughs) it's not useful. It's not helpful. It's not smart. Um, yeah, and and it's it's dangerous not just because it sets you on a, a path to I don't know bad thinking and being ineffective, but I think because it also opens you up to even worse and worse conspiracy theories down the line, right? Um, and the left has its own uh, very sad and awful history of uh, participating in its, its own versions of anti-Semitism and racism and all that kind of stuff that that has conspiratorial elements as well. So I guess, I, I don't know how I got onto this, but <laughs> I guess the point is um, there's something kind of infrastructural about that conspiratorial way of thinking that 
um, is not necessarily good or bad, but is definitely present. And it's something that you have to at least be aware of. Otherwise, you're going to get like eaten alive by it. That's right. I mean, it is a part of <laughs> infrastructure is a great way to put it, right? If uh, it's, it's a part of that grand structure inside of you that's producing the feelings that you have. And uh, it's it's an important part of like what's what shapes Christians to do certain things and how, how that's used and like whatever what other pieces are plugged into that. I don't know. <laughs> that machine are really important. <laughs> yeah. um, dang, dude. Good point. All right. Well, let's talk about some Q stuff right now because um, it's all happening. So there's definitely there, there are two kind of things I want to talk about that that are related to Christianity. And well, one of them is is related to Christianity in a very strange way. And the other one is <laughs> extremely direct. <laughs> and you'll see why in a minute. <laughs> um, so this is not a part of our original plan, but is now a part of the plan for the podcast. Uh, it is November 2nd. And you listening to this in the future will remember November 2nd, the day that lived in infamy. By which I mean the day that a bunch of people from across the United States who are Q believers went to Dallas, to Daly Plaza, to to await the grand return of JFK Jr., someone who's been dead since the 90s. It's about time. Um, so today, um, or Tuesday, which whenever you were listening to this, um, there was an event in Daly Plaza in Dallas, Texas, JFK Jr. was supposed to be there, and so was Donald Trump, I think. And it is all based on um, organizing and rumors and um, a whole bunch of, like, I mean, just a constellation of sort of weird things kind of happening in these different networks of QAnon stuff. I mean, it's just sort of like a a, te- like a, a meme that happened in a Telegram chat that kind of got out of control, I guess. I, I mean, it's hard to say without really digging into it. And it all just happened today, folks, and who knows? I'm sure there will be a great breakdown of it sometime several weeks from now, but we're covering it because it happened. Live. Our fingers on the pulse. Um, Anyways, so this is what happened. Um, This is from an article in the Rolling Stone that actually came out just a few hours ago called On the Ground with the QAnon Believers Who Flocked to Dallas for the Grand Return of JFK Jr. (laughs) It's such a wild thing to even say out loud. It's um, very complicated. Um, So you might recall... I mean, I don't know. The people that listen to this, maybe they're, they're probably younger than us, but JFK Jr. is not a person who is alive. They died in a plane crash. And um, there is JFK Jr. and JFK Sr. both play this very strange role within the QAnon pantheon or mythology. I don't know what you even call it. Uh, delusion. <laughs> I mean, the, the real story is that he died in a plane crash. And I guess uh, that's it. But the QAnon story is that uh, the the plane crash was all sort of a ruse, and after the fact, he escaped, and uh, he's been laying low for the last, I don't know, 30 years. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just uh, uh, eating up this new uh, QAnon stuff. He loves it. Big fan. <laughs> he loves it. He loves seeing his, he's got a Google a Google search for his name, so every time somebody talks about him, he gets a little a little tickle out of that. His dad um, is the, the hero of uh, progressive Catholics, uh, Catholic Democrats in the United States, but yeah, he definitely loves QAnon. Yeah, I think that's probably how it is. Anyways, so like I said at the beginning, a lot of backstory here that we're going to just miss because it's kind of impossible. 
Um, so, okay, this is it. This is this is what people were kind of getting together today for. This is from that Rolling Stone article I mentioned a moment ago. Um, one of the writers of this, by the way, is Stephen Monticelli, who is uh, one of the editors for Proteon magazine as well, which is a magazine I like. So I'll just say it out loud here on this podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, so they write, the expectation among some attendees was that JFK Jr. would reveal himself along with his father, JFK Sr., to great fanfare. <laughs> we're expecting a parade, said a woman named Ginny, who had come all the way from Nebraska. JFK is going to be here. Ginny then went on to describe that her beliefs that many dead celebrities are actually alive and are part of a secret plan, and that there will be a big reveal later tonight at the Rolling Stones concert at the Cotton Bowl Stadium in Dallas. Robin Williams was there, was here the other day. Michael Jackson is high in the movement, um, mm-hmm. according to Ginny. Um, so that's it. That's it, folks. That's what people were expecting. Robin Williams, Michael Jackson, JFK Jr. and Sr. and Donald Trump are all going to make an appearance today <laughs> in Daily Plaza. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm trying to be a serious journalist, but I can't do it. Um, so there's that. That's what happened today. Um, there is a lot of other stuff going on kind of behind the scenes. Um, so one of the organizers of this event, which is, I, I think, actually kind of interesting because the event wasn't put on like um, what we're going to talk about after this is a QAnon conference. And there's all kinds of QAnon conferences and there are QAnon rallies and they're put together. They're put together by like sort of these like big name sort of people. But this one was put together by someone who just runs a Telegram channel, just like a guy um, from Washington who is just like a working class guy, but also <laughs> believes that JFK Jr. and Donald Trump uh, were going to show up today. Anyways, um, to to kind of like suss out that this was happening, um, his whole sort of analysis um, hinges on, uh, according to this article, uh, gematria or numerology to promote the idea that he is in direct contact with the Kennedy family, who are nice. direct descendants of Jesus the Templars. Christ. No, Jesus Christ, Jesus himself. Jesus is, Jesus is uh, John F. Kennedy's great, 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 great grandfather. He's up. Good old there. Irish Jesus. Yep, we. That makes a lot of sense, I think. Um, okay, so um, on this Telegram channel, uh, Protzman, who is the organizer, uh, has been posting videos and photographs of himself hobnobbing with QAnon supporters in Daily Plaza. uh, signing supporters t-shirts and wielding a trophy with the message the gamatria general god communicates in numbers and trump does too (laughs) nice uh yeah man so um i i guess like i don't know it's here let me read this one more one more bit here too um okay this is towards the end. Uh, so, uh, spoiler alert, it, by the time you're listening to this, this is all over, and you've probably read an article about it too, but uh, John, John F. Kennedy Jr., Ron Williams, Michael Jackson, nobody showed up today, which sucks. I think it would have been way cooler Dang. if they had. So close. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they really missed a great opportunity. Think about the sales, the merch. Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyways, uh, today at 1229, uh, the only thing that had happened was a group, a group recital of the Pledge of Allegiance. That was all that happened today, but still the crowd stuck around for several hours, even as heavy rains started to pour down. In the end, the crowd shuffled away toward their hotels in downtown Dallas, but some were undeterred. In a telegram chat dedicated to the event titled Restore Humanity, um, one person made a case for their faith. This is what they wrote in the telegram. Well, do you have faith in our God or not? Uh, This person asked rhetorically in reference to JFK's uh, notable absence. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know I do, and part of the faith is continuing to have it even when you can't see it. No matter no matter what, I think the majority of us know that something is happening. We can feel it. Um okay, so this event is troubling for a lot of reasons. It is very silly. Um, I think, okay, to me, the there's a lot of troubling things about it, but I think the most troubling is that these people did show up. They mobilized to an event based off of like a bunch of things happening on a, on a chat app. And that is actually really terrifying. Um, it didn't take like an organization of paid organizers to turn people out for this. It just like took a bunch of people who are very motivated by JFK Jr. being alive. And I think that is not good. Um, but anyways, there's that. The other thing is that this is, I mean, I don't know. It, it's hard. It, it's, it's motivated by a particular type of like very weird Bible code. Um, gematria, you know, numerology. Uh, this is how people, you know, parse out the hidden message in the Bible or whatever and use it to predict the future. Um, that's bizarre. I mean, but also it's just like, there's this sort of underlying sense of having faith in the movement or faith in this thing that's going to happen. And, and it can't be shaken even when JFK Jr. does not rise from the dead. Um, so there's, there's a lot, a lot going on there. Well, Dean, what do you think? I've been talking so much. What do you think about yeah. this thing particularly? Uh, man, I don't know what to make of it. It is extremely weird. Um, I did see a take on Twitter that I thought was insightful from Brent Serretta, who is a history prof at North Carolina State. Um, he's a good Twitter follow. You can follow him. Uh, he said, uh, uh, I continue to believe this is some kind of collective anterograde amnesia, and these people have not made any new memories since 9-11. That's a good joke tweet. Uh, but he does say, uh, he lists these celebrities, right? Dale Earnhardt, uh, Michael Jackson, Robin Williams. He says with Trump at the center of the cult, it becomes clear that it's about the resurrection of a late 20th century cultural world in which these people last felt at home. And I think that seems right to me, right? It's like, <laughs> there's something weird about conspiracy theories around dead celebrities in general, but there's something really comforting about it too. You know, it's the kind of, being haunted by the the culture that makes you feel safe. Like, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't know, a world in which Flubber exists uh, and 9-11 never happened and, like, George W. Bush was about to be president. <laughs> and, like, that is the world that people want to live in. Um, complaining about Bill Clinton is easier than complaining about Barack Obama, right? It's, right. like, it's such a, a different kind of um, retreat into this nostalgia. And I think that is probably an underestimated piece of all this, too. You know, like, it's not hard to sort of understand QAnon, like lots of conservative movements is about trying to recover a past that never existed. But there's also this, I guess, maybe this is the Marxist point, right? Like, in uh, in the manifesto, there's that great line about how under capitalism, all that is solid melts into air. Right. And uh, the bourgeois class is like changing everything all the time by virtue of kind of remaking it right in the process of getting more capital. And that has this sort of uh, dissolving effect, this destructive effect, and it leaves people uh, feeling disoriented and confused and sort of unmoored. Right. No grounding, all that kind of stuff. And uh the symptoms of that feeling, the symptoms of the frenetic pace of capitalism is to try to hold really tightly onto stuff that can like put your world back together. And the, I guess the materialist sort of explanation that makes sense to me of this is 
the this kind of conference or or event i guess that that occurred occurred or emerged out of thin air is symptomatic of that right it's like um it, the whole world is moving at a breakneck pace around you and like it doesn't make sense anyway so what does make sense is like all the celebrities that you've seen in pop culture for like your entire life uh, and the people that kind of make up the world in which you live and the world in which you kind of maybe feel safer in just because they're in your memories. Uh, it makes sense to me to see that as kind of part of a response to capitalism's uh, deleterious, crazy making effects. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, um, it is I, I mean, even if you are a conservative or you're a borderline fascist person. Um, I mean, since 2008, since before, I mean, capitalism is always taking things from you. And uh, it's hard not to see some of these conspiracy movements as real ways people are processing grief of a life lost, you know? Yeah. And that is sad. Um, but also, stop. stop. <laughs> Go <Yeah>. to therapy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tied up in a lot of grief, too. I mean, just speaking... I guess, generally from people I know who are deep in QAnon or maybe not even deep in it, but kind of downstream from it and willing mm -hmm. to pick it up if it's repackaged. Like, just like I said, anecdotally, um, I feel like it is related to a lot of senses of loss or, or grief or um, the people I know who have latched onto it just seem to be, you know, looking for some way of putting their life back together. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the saddest part of it is that there's a, a really tragic piece involved in it. And yeah, it's uh, it's really too bad that that's a coping mechanism our culture has kind of invented <laughs> for <laughs> how to work out your life. Yeah, absolutely. I think it it is. Um, it's not good. I don't like it. Well, um, let me pivot from that hard that hard truth that I'm processing right now is talking about something else that's very silly. Uh, so we can kind of get past it uh, without Great. acknowledging it, uh, without without doing without doing the hard work uh, uh, of uh, kind of processing all of that trauma. <laughs> the the classically masculine way of dealing with grief. <laughs> that's right. Um, okay, so let's talk about this other thing. Um, this happened uh, not today, uh, actually uh, a, a bit a bit ago on October 25th. Um, there was a Q conference called Forgotten Country Patriot Double Down, which I think is an incredible name. Um, I think it is amazing that they called it that, but they did. Deep fried on uh, both sides. Yeah, <laughs> fried on both sides. It's just two pieces of chicken. Um, so on October 25th, there were actually two of these, these Q conferences that did happen, um, sort of by different organizers with different people. They're both very expensive to go to. It doesn't matter, but that's all happening kind of in the background. These two different conferences happening at once. Um, some, all, I mean, you know, um, like Michael Flynn is there, he's kind of in the mix doing his thing, talking about, uh, QAnon people winning local elections, which is, uh, bad. But, um, the thing that I kind of want to focus on for a second to kind of draw out this connection with Christianity is something that happened with, uh, an actor named Jim Caviezel. Uh, Jim Caviezel is a person who I've learned a lot about over the last few weeks, <laughs> and he is a very strange person. You might know Jim Caviezel from things like Passion of the Christ. You might know him from a movie called Frequency, The Thin Red Line. He was in a CBS show called Person of Interest, and I think probably a bunch of other things, too. I mean, uh, now that I'm looking at his IMDb, IMDb page, there's a lot of things he's involved in. He's a real actor, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but he's also a real weirdo. Um... 
So uh, he was at this QAnon conference, the Double Down conference, and um, he was there to speak and kind of gave a very fascinating speech uh, that not only quotes, it doesn't quote Ronald Reagan. It is a detournement of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> it is, uh, a, a, he, he does the uh, Braveheart speech in, the, in, in his speech. Love and it. he also uh, does talk shit about Pope Francis. <laughs> All of that, all, all of it in one thing. Uh, Jim Caviezel is a Catholic um, and not an evangelical. So that does complicate the narrative a bit, but it is kind of interesting. So an article came out about this in the Religion News Service uh, by Jack Jenkins, a person who writes about religion and politics. And it's a good article that does help kind of just put it all out on the table. I think it's great. It's called Catholic Bishops Praise Jim Caviezel's Speech from QAnon Connected Conference. Um, there it is. So I'm going to read a few pieces of this here that, and, and you can kind of get an idea of like what's happening or maybe what the, what the controversy is. Um, we don't need to say a lot. I, I guess I, I, I do have a few things to say about, uh, what Jim Caviezel said in his speech, particularly, um, here, um, he, uh, you can take our lives, but you can never take our freedom. Shout out Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus in Gibson's 2004 film, The Passion of the Christ. You might remember. Uh, he said that. He did. So he said the whole, uh, he, he said more than just that one line. He did um, kind of the preceding monologue up to that point from Braveheart, uh, <laughs> which is very bizarre. But he's, he's, uh, he's not, uh, he's not mad at the English. Instead, he's mad at the satanic cabal of people who are uh, trying to take your freedom kind of drummed up this whole Ronald Reagan speech where uh, Ronald Reagan is actually talking about Khrushchev and communism. Uh, but uh, Jim Caviezel subbed in a bunch of stuff about, um, I mean, just culture war stuff really and COVID like mass mandates <laughs> instead of communism. I don't think the, the sort of the rhetoric is not lost on anybody there. I think people kind of got what was going on. Um, and that's all really interesting and <sighs> troubling. Uh, but then there's this piece from his um, from his speech that I think is is worth talking about a bit more. So Jim Caviezel says this: "Every man dies, but not every man truly lives." He said, "We must fight for that authentic freedom and live, my friends. By God, we must live. And with the Holy Spirit as your shield and Christ as your sword, you might join Saint Michael and all the angels in defending God and sending Lucifer and his henchmen straight right back to hell where they belong." Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So Jim Caviezel further added that he was referring to, um, you know, when he's talking about um, the devil and all the on all the bad guys, his henchmen, he's ta- he's referring to our priests and past- pastors, and now sadly even our pope. Before he went back to the uh, the Ronald Reagan talking points, um, which I think is very fascinating. Uh, he closed out his speech referring to a reference to the storm, which is um, again a, a um, that's like the the QAnon part of it all. That's the QAnon code for uh, Donald Trump coming back to sort of cast out the evil evil forces of uh, of I don't know governmental politics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that is all very interesting. Uh, and I mean, God, there's there's so much more in this speech. You can watch the video of it on um, Twitter. I mean, I would say don't watch it. Probably, probably for the best if you don't. I'm not going to. No, of course not. Um, anyways, the very bad part, though, is that uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland, who is the uh, head of the diocese of, I guess, Texas. Um, Tyler, it, Texas. Oh, Tyler, Texas. Thank you. Um, he is, I mean, he's known for being sort of a conservative bishop, to say the least, but he tweeted out a link 
to Caviezel's speech on Twitter um, and suggesting that everyone needs to listen to the message. <laughs> and that's weird and bad. All I'm trying to say here is that uh, this is an evangelical phenomenon, but there's a larger, I think, just like sort of Christian thing happening here that's worth considering. Um, maybe the um, these particular impulses and assemblages of ideas don't, uh, you know, they don't, they don't stay in evangelicalism. They kind of bleed out uh, more than that. Yeah. I mean, the way that all this stuff manifests in Catholicism, I think, is interesting because there are some similarities. So, you know, that thing I mentioned earlier about how there's that mechanism in evangelicalism where because you have this direct line to God, it relativizes everything else. And then it sort of confirms the weirdest ideas that you have because it's like there is no external check or anything else. Um, you might expect that that doesn't show up in Catholicism, but you would be wrong. <laughs> it does show up, um, but in its own way. And for example, uh, Bishop Strickland uh, tweeted not too long ago um, a quote from Cardinal Burke, uh, another conservative in the church, who said, um, When I die, I will appear before the Lord to give an account of my service as bishop, not before the conference of bishops, right? So before God. And uh, I, I don't know. You know, there are divisions in the Catholic Church. I probably don't have to tell listeners that. <laughs> um, but this kind of uh, logic, I guess, uh, is prevalent even among bishops and, and other Catholics that, you know, they have to sort of defend the real true message of Christ uh, from everybody else, including other people in the church, right? Uh, even if that's the Pope, for instance. And I think that's where there's a kind of tactical or strategic alliance between Catholics and evangelicals. They see in each other, they, they recognize that kind of echo sometimes, or that resonance of uh, having that, that direct line to God that supersedes all the other things that are around you. And I think, I mean, it's bad. I think it's, <laughs> it's very immature. Um, it's very, uh, unthought through, but it, it, it is also again, symptomatic of capitalism, especially when it comes to the church. Like, you know, evangelicalism is a Christianity that is like a direct result of capitalism, right? Like it, it is the theology of capitalism in so many ways. Uh, Catholicism is always contending with like the fact that it has lost its place as the sovereign church over like the whole world, right? Like um, it is a medieval institution. It doesn't really know what to do with capitalism a lot of the time. And I think that especially conservatives uh, sort of, um, you know, they, they, they imagine themselves as still existing in that medieval paradigm, but kind of updated and refracted through our capitalist society today. So they're constantly trying to claw back whatever power that they will never be able to get back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they see QAnon as one more kind of power fantasy that um, they may not uh, have control of, you know, all of the United States or something, but like they're in possession of the truth and you just have to kind of keep shouting that out no matter what the um <laughs> what the rest of the church might be saying so it, it it's refracted in a different way but there's a lot of similarities there too yeah yeah i think it's a great way to put it um especially emphasizing that like sort of moment of fantasy as well i mean another way to deal with trauma <laughs> i mean yeah yeah it's a way to deal with a lot of things but um i don't know i i guess it, it's worth pointing this all out like i said at the very beginning because this is what I mean, Christianity has to contend with. This is something that it has to deal with and, and make sense with and, and uh, form new pathways with, right? We were mentioning earlier that 
Um, the left has ways of dealing with this. And I mean, so does sort of like the liberal center has ways of dealing with this particular, uh, you know, pathology. Um, but it's something that, you know, you can't really ignore because it's there. It's, it's a part of the Christian story. It's a part of the, uh, the reaction of Christianity to, uh, a certain type of tragedy into an interpretation of politics. So it's really worth considering how this all works out. And I mean, it's funny and silly, but it's also pretty serious too, because these folks are mobilized politically and uh, organized as well in a, in a really troubling way. So I, I guess the, uh, there's that piece, right? There's the piece that uh, this is important to Christianity in the grand scheme, like in the big story, it's, it's an important piece. Um, and it's something to th think about politically as well. Uh, insofar as like Joe Biden doesn't solve our problems, uh, you know, there's a president, he's there, he's, uh, kind of doing a big flop for sure. Uh, but it's not like, uh, Trumpism is defeated. It, it has a lot of inertia and it's, it's kind of keeping itself going with the, um, the perpetual motion machine of these conspiracy theories. And, uh, so there, it, it's not going away politically. It's not going get, uh, going away religiously. And uh, this is what we kind of have to move through um, in the political train of uh, 2021 and 2022. And I mean, probably forever. Who knows? Yeah. Well, let's see. That's a, a bleak note to end on, but nevertheless, uh, an important one. Um, but I instead want to let's close it off with a fun question, Matt. Uh, if you had to think of a celebrity that you want to see come back, you want to add this to the mix. Uh, you can put this in the telegram channels, get Q and honors to, to get invested. What celebrity do you want to see come back from the dead? So I think if I was going to go into the Q and on channels and try to convince them to bring somebody back, um, I would want to pick someone who is already alive, but I do want to see become more prominent <laughs> again. Sure. Sure. Like their career is dead. <laughs> yeah. And my answer is weird. Al. I want you, I want weird Al to be front and center on everything. <laughs> Um, sure. I want a I want a giant um, rally in Texas just for Weird Al to show up. I think that would be great. There was a time when he was putting out albums all the time. He had his own TV mm -hmm. show, and now he doesn't. And I want Weird Al back. Yeah, and he's got that conspiracy th song, so it's just in time. <laughs> it's true. He does have the conspiracy song. He can get it out there. Um, so there it is. That's my humble plea for QAnon to bring back Weird Al and the Weird Al show. And um, well, I don't know. There's that. Dean, who would you want? Who would you want QAnon to resurrect? Man, um, I'm going to say, OK, for for left wing QAnon, uh, when we all get together in the middle of Texas, because we all just started talking to each other one day uh, and we passionately await all of our celebrities to come home. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be Pete Seeger. He uh, he never <laughs> died. He's extremely old. He's going to be plucking that banjo <laughs> around uh, long after I've died. Uh, he can't he can't die. That's uh, for sure. He's like Joe Hill. He never, ever dies. Just um, like Dale Earnhardt. You know, he never, ever dies. Yeah. He, whatever they couldn't, whatever NASCAR couldn't kill went on to organize this particular rally. <laughs> so pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. All right, folks, this was a weird one, and that's okay. We all we need it sometimes to hear this weird stuff. And if you liked this weird stuff, then you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Magnificast. Uh, go there and support us at different levels. You can get all kinds of nice rewards. Um, amongst them, though, is a great um, mostly weekly current event podcast called The Lock-In, where we do some goofy jokes and talk about whatever's happening in the week. Um, and also we have a cool discord that you can join too if you support us on patreon and you can get to know all your people 
on here, and that's fun too. I love it. So do that. All right, our intro music is by Amaria Armstrong, and our outro music is by The Illogical Spoon. We'll see you next week. I don't want to get up for church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no dam between us and our Lord. Jackson, keep your hoods up. Keep your hoods up and you stay up late in Jackson. You keep your hoods up, well you keep your hoods up and you stay up late. Oh, don't mind a cold night, but we might mind if you leave too soon. So come on now, it's still early. At least I would have.